How can you be part of a religious community that straight up denies Sometimes science it feels or like sees the church it as suspicious? Trying to hold the church seems to be stuck in their ways when the rest of the Why are they so obsessed with keep trying to give answers, I would but they never don't be even a part of a church that is not welcoming the church is the most vocal political voice against immigrants. Some churches still don't want to claim that worship was the actual the church seems to be stuck in ways when the rest of the like, culture how is that actually it seems like so much of the church is concerned with being a good anti-critical they are being homophobic too narrow judgmental disconnected from what is truly happening in the real world <sighs> the church needs therapy welcome to the newest episode of the church needs therapy And today, our guests are some of my best friends on the entire planet, Phil and Jen Wood, which is really crazy to think about when you have best friends. It's like you're the friends on the entire planet, because even if you live near each other, it's like, but yes, but out of the whole planet, like we're that close, which is so weird. That is weird. And Phil and Jen have been married for 18 years. Is that still up to date? Yeah. Yeah. 18 years. And they have three wild and fun boys, and I just got to experience the truth of that just in the five-minute interaction <laughs> before we walked into the studio. And together, they started and led a church in Costa Mesa, California for 12 and a half years, and recently stepped out of that role and congregational life for the first time in order to keep going with their work in and for this world. They are a tight, tight team who naturally dreams and creates together. For the sake of others. And on your guys' website, you say, we find joy in guiding people in their spiritual journey and helping them expand the way they see themselves in the world. We love to teach, guide, and walk alongside people while creating transformative experiences and having lots of fun along the way. And they are hosts of the new podcast coming out this week called Phil and Jen. They have different kinds of immersive experiences that will be coming out and you'll hear more about in this upcoming year. Experiences such as how to reimagine your life, the marriage renaissance retreat, raising humans, about fathering boys into young men, and another one called how to set the Bible free, which are all amazing, amazing names. So Phil and Jen... (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to be with me personally today as as I record, but also with the community of listeners as well. Thanks for having us. Heck yes. Are you guys stoked to do this? This Yes. Yes. And this is my first, I was just telling them, my first in-person interview. We are in Costa Mesa in their studio right now. I'm not on my love seat in my own room, (laughs) Zooming people from across the world, so... One, it's great to be with you guys personally, but two, it's exciting to step into even doing in-person things that I haven't done before. And we have a really narrow desk, so it's like we're right here on each other. Yeah, usually the screen is usually this far. This is like HD on another level. (laughs) In-person, feeling the energy. Now let's start. You both have been in such a unique transitional time. It's so unique, but it's also, I think, a more and more common thing, you know, for what we see for leaders and pastors evolving and growing and not stepping away from their faith, but stepping further into their faith, into new expressions of their own life and what it looks like to keep leading and to help keeping others growing on their own paths. 
How, let's talk about this. It's been six months. Yeah. I did the math. It's been six months or so since you stepped away. No, no, six months today. today. Oh, wow. Which means. Well, it's today, six it months yesterday. Six, six months, months yesterday. yesterday. Okay. Well, no, six months today because it's a better story. Okay, today. <laughs> and six that's months one of the things today. we learned from the Bible is you can change details to make it a better story. <laughs> I've learned that from reading the Bible and from listening to my wife tell stories. Where every time she tells a story, the details are different, sometimes drastically different, sometimes small. But it just small. keeps getting better. But the point is, I'm like, but the point is the heart of the story. And it's good. And yeah. I just let her go and do that. Now, if you look at the last six months, how has this, let's start here. How has this, this time away from leading together and everything that comes along with that affected your relationship with each other? Like you're in this place where you're not building together. You're not showing up on another Sunday. You're not kind of always building as you're on this moving train, right? That's a unique, people don't know. That's a different experience from, from pastoring is to even have that. And now you have all this space left to just be together. So let's start there because so much of your journey forward is you two together continuing to create. What has that experience away been like for you two guys personally? Yeah. Well, Phil just pointed the mic at me, so I'll start. <laughs> um, it's been incredible. I mean, we've, we're calling it like our marriage renaissance and that's like what that mm. experience is coming out of is just our own kind of experience in this last six months where we, we stepped out and I think intentionally we took some space. So we, we just basically took like a sabbatical where we just rested and we played and, you know, we were in Hawaii for a month, which was incredible. Well, you guys were in Hawaii for a month, and but we not with you. Other. It was terrible. <laughs> a couple islands away. Um, That's weird. but yeah. And I think one thing for me, and I think Phil would say this as well, but that I didn't realize is um, how much was there. Mm. <laughs> like the way that I carried that role um, as a leader, people would call me a pastor's wife. I never liked that title myself, but mm. that's what kind of was put. Mm. That was like what people would kind of define me as. And as we stepped out of that role, um, so much kind of started coming off, mm. which was like, I didn't even realize it was there. And mm. I wouldn't have said like those things were that I wouldn't have said that I felt, you know, boxed up or like, um, I don't know, like kind of so buttoned up in that role. But as we stepped out of it, I started feeling like this freedom in a way that I didn't even expect. And I think both of us started feeling that in different ways. And then we also just the time that we had together and then, the time to, to like dream together, it, yeah, it did something radical to mm. our relationship and our marriage. And I mean, you should share a little bit about kind of what happened to you. Cause with us, you know, even before Phil shares, it's the space that opens up, you know, once you have open space in your life, you know, it's like the open space for us externally helps open up a space for us internally. And because we have more space, because it seems like the horizon of our own being kind of gets more expansive. You have clarity on, whoa, I didn't realize yeah. things felt tighter there. I didn't realize I was holding back there. I didn't realize I felt this here. Because in the moment, 
when you're doing it for so long, it just feels so normal. Yeah. Yeah. When you have all this space open up, it not only gives you the vision for the future, but it also gives you clarity on what's happening in the present, you know, and how you've gotten to where you are. I think that's a unique thing about the transition is we didn't, we didn't know what we were going to do next. And so we knew we wanted to keep going. We knew there's a bunch of things that we were wanted to try, but um, it wasn't like we're going like a sabbatical we took in Hawaii mm-hmm. with you guys um, back in 2015. We know that at the end of these three months, we're going back to that thing. And so you start to, you know, you, you rest in a way to go back. But this was different because we didn't know what we were stepping into next. And mm-hmm. so it was like stepping into a, like a, all the way openness whole new life really (laughs) yeah it wasn't a yeah it was and so we got to like it was very disorienting and it was yeah a lot of energy uh, in the transition of handing things off and stepping Mm -hmm. out and it was funny because right after i remember um, another pastor was like gosh you must feel so light right now it was like the day like our last six months ago to the day Mm -hmm. the day and um I was like, no, I don't feel light right like, now. Like, no. The day after. I don't feel light at all. Like, I, I don't, where am I? And then we had, you know, we ended up both getting really killer therapists um, recommended through friends and uh, just such a gift. And so it was this space of, of like, we're going to do this as long as it takes. I'm still seeing mine. It's been six months. Um, Jen just stopped seeing hers. and But also together... So with a competitive couple, Jen won. So she I ended, won. She ended therapy. <laughs> that's that's the takeaway. If you don't know Phil and Jen, they both can be competitive. So in this case, unless Jen won. unless winning is, so you still need that. I mean, Six unless later, you unless not. winning is, you still have someone walking with you. I I don't. I mean, yeah, yeah. who knows? Who knows? I mean, maybe she gave up. But um, it depends what the goal is. But dude, it the space, mm. the space of going. We don't know how long we're gonna do this. And we genuinely like, we're going to rest until we're done resting. And that is, that was a, for people wired like us, mm-hmm. so hard for us mm-hmm. to, um, to just let it go. Mm-hmm. But it, it probably took a month, maybe two before a lot of that came down enough to mm-hmm. like really begin to, I mean, do to examine the, like the cycles and the patterns to examine the way that things have taken an effect on you to like examine um, our own relationship, not in like a critical way, just it's like, I mean, this we, we have this little tiny two person jacuzzi right out there through that window. And um, every morning, every night when we weren't in Hawaii, we we just sat in there and talked. And it was this, it was, it's so different because we, I was telling her, like, I felt like I saw her, mm. which sounds weird because we had a fantastic relationship but um it's like i saw her mm. and she became this fascinating creature <laughs> um and i wanted to get to know her and i wanted it's like i felt like we were dating almost like i would get like butterflies in my stomach mm. and i would see her i would like pursue I, I would her. find him like staring at me all the time it was kind of weird like what are you doing staring at you the other 20 percent, he was just staring off in the distance <laughs> in the days because they didn't Where know what you, was baby? coming <laughs> and, it, and it was and um, yeah, I mean, I love that Renaissance language because there was this renewed thing. Like I realized, like Jen was saying, there was a lot of stuff that we had carried or that we had gone through, like, um, mm. 
in that role or in life. And as all that stuff's coming off, I was realizing, man, there's a lot of ways with Jen that I had boxed her up. Mm. And I'm like, I've always been this huge, like, like advocate wanting to like empower Jen, empower women, especially in like church leaderships in those roles and in life. And then I, it was weird to get to the end of that and be like, man, I see the ways that I squashed, like squashed her Mm. or the ways that, um, inadvertently I had like held her back. Um, I didn't even realize, I don't think she realized. And so it was so interesting as all this stuff's coming off. It was like this fresh connection and energy in life. And it was, it was like we were dating again, man. It was so fun. Yeah. That makes me think of it's easier with the difference between like things happening, you know, in theory, like theoretically and how they feel and the concreteness of your life. Like say for example, like a pastor, it's easier to preach about the liberation of women's voices than it is to allow and just let the person you're with be fully them, mm. you know, cause it's, it's concrete and it's in the moment and it affects your relationship with them. And there's so much happening. So I think that's so insightful to recognize that where even though you've been a voice for liberation, openness, you know, whatever it is with women, but then to also have the vision to be able to see, but in our own relationship, sometimes there's little tiny things I would do that could actually hinder that you know so i think that's such an important thing to see you know of how it happens interpersonally it's so different from just things happening in the general yeah yeah so yeah yeah and also you know i i say this for for you know a life of disruptions and unexpected things happening is transitions are what allow for transformation mm-hmm. yeah and any like Phil has this thing where, you know, if you pastor, if you're ever on staff at a church and you didn't start the church and plant, like it's cheating. <laughs> right? and I tell people that all the time. Like if you if you didn't plan it and you came on later, it's like here's a here's a salary and here's your one role in the movement. Or like here's a building and all you do is like show up and they plug a microphone onto your back pocket on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Like, and what? <laughs> Wait, this, who have, drove that stuff there? Who set it up? Here, here's your office. <laughs> who rented you the building? You didn't have to build it. Where's your you dining? Didn't, yeah. You didn't, you didn't email 30 people to wonder what leases were there. You got welcome into this? You didn't get jumped into this? Where's the blood? Where's exactly. the blood on the ground? <laughs> that ain't a gang. And I think in the same way that's cheating... <laughs> People, people who transition from a role to another role, not just pastoral, but anything in life. You know, you go from a job to another job. You go from a company to another company. When you go through a transition, when there's no real unknowing and uncertainty mm. built into mm-hmm. it, that's cheating. That's not real. That, but, uh, but really, that won't carry the same space that has the potential for transformation because you're not entering into yeah. those liminal spaces. You're not having to face uncertainty around the age of 40 you're not carrying that entire life thing into it you know like that real what do we do next you know yeah five years from now we'll probably say that was a a a pivotal time but when you're in it oh yeah you feel it like you you have to go through it you know so with the transition since we we already got into it like you're facing unknowing you're facing uncertainty your friends like do you feel light already you're like not one day after <laughs> two months later he's like he's like do you feel light you're all not two months no. it's coming just not <laughs> just yeah I'll, I'll text you just stop asking me that <laughs> but in that transition it's this space for you guys to just be together like what a gift mm-hmm. that is to be able to see each other in new ways without looking forward together, building together, you can turn metaphorically, but also in this tiny jacuzzi right at each other, five Mm -hmm. inches away, eye to eye, and actually see each other. 
But during that transitional time when you have that space, what have you realized or seen with more clarity about yourself? Right? Not relationally, but about yourself and where you are right now that maybe you didn't have the clarity to see while you're pastoring, leading, and always you know, building and preparing the next thing. How has this space given you vision to see, man, this is really like where I'm at or this is what I want more of. And maybe I didn't let myself fully want that because I just knew we weren't in a place to start working towards that. Yeah. Either one of you can go first. <laughs> you want to start? That's like, that's a massive question. Um, yeah, that's a big question, man. Yeah. Well, it's funny. What was scary when I asked Phil questions is there's a whiteboard in this room. (laughs) And if he gets up and breaks it down (laughs) over a 20 minute thing, this podcast is over. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So much. Yeah. It's like, where do you So much. Honestly. I feel like we're, I'm not the same. We're different people. Mm -hmm. Truly. It's, it's not even, it's, I, I don't even think that's the right. It's like, there's a, Whatever I was is like it died mm. in the transition, and there's I'm a different thing now. I'm a mm. different person. It's how I feel. Same. Um, I see things differently. I hold it all differently. Um, I experience myself and the world differently. Mm. Um, I see Jen differently. I realized there was. Um, I mean, from like right before the transition, when my dad died, we talked about this, and uh, it was this weird kind of like enlightenment experience is the only way I could describe it we, we talked about this in one of our podcasts that we did but like it's weird when you have those huge moments when you um I mean you you experience this often being the mystical person that you are but <laughs> like when you become aware of your own consciousness <clears throat> you know what I mean like when you when like it like I I like it was a weird moment of like almost stepping outside of myself, seeing myself, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And that was kind of right before the, the transition of the death and the, the new thing. I just, I think it's like there was patterns that I was living in that I was just unaware of. Mm-hmm. And as you become aware of them, it's the thing that breaks them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's ways of like holding it and, and everything and seeing and operating that um, I just don't do anymore. <laughs> no, that's wrong. Actually, we are doing some of the things still. And that's actually Um, (laughs) like yesterday. Like we, I think actually we're still in it where we're still like, as we're stepping into our new work and we're doing things together and we're trying, we're just trying new things. We're having so much fun, but in a lot of ways we're having to go back and stop ourselves and be like, Oh wait, that's the old way of doing it. And then we'll have to like redo it and be like, Oh no, we're doing this. Let's scrap it. And we've scrapped so many things that we've done so far, which mm. is so painful in, in a way. I mean, no, we finished it. We edited it. We're done. Yeah, yeah. We Let's did a back. whole podcast. Oh, we're not using that. Or like <laughs> we did this whole thing. Oh, we're throwing that out. But it's been, I think we're still in the process of, yeah, we're still on the journey in that way. I don't want, yeah. Obviously like, you never arrive, but I mean. There's a becoming aware. Okay, that's a really good point. There's a becoming aware of it. And then there's like walking it out. Yeah. It was like, I arrived. You're like, what are we having? You're like, all right, fine. We have I've arrived. I mean, I'm still in therapy, but. <laughs> I didn't see it as an arrival so much as. I'm just teasing. No, like the, like awareness breaks a thing. Mm. But I, I think the difference is walking out a new thing 
Mm-hmm. The only way to do it is to walk it out. Absolutely. And, yeah. and so we, I think we go, oh, we don't want to do that. But sometimes you, over a lifetime, build such like habits and such muscle memory of certain ways of doing things that you, you just in, like, instinctively do it. Mm-hmm. And then you stop afterward and go, oh, I did it again. And then you, you have to like go back and keep putting it down. And then I think there'll be a point that you probably won't do that anymore. Yeah. Well, that that speaks to, I think, what, what both of you are saying is the reality that seeing the journey is not the same as doing the journey. And awareness of the thing is not immediately the overcoming and transcending of yeah. the thing. Like awareness is the beginning point of transformation. And I think that great sense of awareness as you hold it more in that non-judgmental, like observing kind of a way that thing, that pattern that this is what I do when I end up in a stressful situation or, you know, when I'm doing this, I have these filters I go through. The awareness, like it doesn't immediately break it in the sense of and now it's gone. It breaks it and it starts to diminish its power, but all of its power doesn't go away right away. It's like the power of the pattern over you becomes less, less and less. Like at one point in your journey, the power of that pattern is like a bear hug that has you so tight it feels like it's you. There's almost no separation right. between you and right. the pattern. Then you get awareness of it. And it's like, instead of a bear hug, it's five feet from me yeah. yelling at me, telling me to do it, which, which is standing outside of yourself from exactly. And I think that, you know, now it's five feet away yelling at me saying, do this, which is overwhelming when people yell in your face and it's hard to resist. And then it's across <laughs> the street yelling. Yeah. And then like five years later, it's the pattern's still there, but it's has so little power. It's as if it's, down the block yelling and it's just a whisper you're like oh yeah like that's a pattern and that's what we used to do and now because i have so much space from it and i've started to live into those new ways that default pattern is there but it's i'm so far removed from that as a default response that it's a whisper as i move into this new thing you know yeah 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 that transition i've just thought about like the space it opens up of seeing where you've been with clarity, but also it opens up a space to see further of the things you want. And that's kind of what I'm thinking about next is when you've gained clarity, you know, when you've gained the awareness patterns, I want to break, you know, things I don't want to fall back into as we keep creating, as we keep going, you know, like you say on your website, what do you want more now for yourself personally Mm. and creatively as you're moving forward. Not that it wasn't there at all in the yeah. past, but like the thing that was there, sometimes I want this to be more and more. Like, what do you, you think we, you keep going. What do you want more for yourself personally as you do keep going and creating and building, you know, for the sake of others? Yeah. Well, I think one of the biggest things for us is we, like Phil mentioned, and I think how, how we're holding everything is mm-hmm. so different. And I just feel like there's just a lightness and we're having so much fun with the work that we're doing. And I think I mean, we just laugh all the time. Like our kids sit outside so when we're doing podcasts and stuff. They're like, you just laugh through the whole thing. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. It's really fun. It's um, fun. But part of it is how we're holding it. And part of it for me is, I mean, this is more personal, but just really being confident in who I am mm. and, and not caring mm. what other people think so much. And for me, that was one of the biggest realizations I think in stepping out was like, just, I have a very, um, we call it like intuitive personality or something like where I, I 
read where people are at really well and I care a lot about people, but also the, the like negative side about that is that I also care too much about what they think and like wanting to please people. And so while I want to, I care about people still, I also am like, feel like I'm living more from my own, like knowing in truth and not caring so much about what people Mm -hmm. think. And there's so much freedom in that. And it's like, I like my own self better. Mm -hmm. Like I enjoy my own company more. Um, which sounds so ridiculous, but man, it's been so powerful. Like I was, I was joking with Phil. I'm like, I like myself more. Like I just, yeah, I'm more fun. I feel lighter. I feel, um, more free to just like be fully who I am. And I'm like unashamed about it. And, and I do think that some of that was like the role and things that other people were putting on me, but I also think it was totally myself and how I chose to take that on, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so, going forward, man, I just want to keep having fun and carrying things lightly. And I think that's what it's all about. Like this, like the spiritual life, it's not, it's not this heavy weighty like thing. And especially like when we first started out, I was just about to ask, I've heard you mention that before, you know, like how heavy it felt in the beginning. Speak a little bit to that. Cause I think that's important to talk about the lightness now of heaviness when you first start. I mean, you know, church planning, Starting the, the church, like start, the yeah, tradition? starting redemption, like oh. in the beginning. I've heard Jen. I think it's maybe something you share with Christine, like I don't know, like whatever it was, where it was like you know, like in the beginning, you just feel any whether you're starting a company, you're starting a church, like your thing in the beginning feels like the weight of this is actually the weight of like the universe, the world, the world pressing yeah, yeah. down on us, and yeah. that is that's heavy because the the universe is heavy, you know, yeah. to have on your shoulders, yeah, right? Just never, I mean, it's so ridiculous to think about, you know, and it's like it's on, it's kind of gross. It's like a god complex in a way if you think about it. You know what I mean? Like, are you are you God? Like, are you? Is it that kind of weight that you're actually responsible for these? whatever people's spiritual lives or whatever. I don't know. But but yes, because like we're operating off of that, like N.T. Wright theology of pour yourself out for the healing of the world. That's the point of the church. And I think there's a sense in which we're like, we oh. are going to start a church that will heal the world. You know what I mean? And like uh, somewhere, not, con- not consciously, us, not consciously, but, but then there's a weird thing where you're like the desire to help people and to help people grow spiritually and to walk with people. It carries that same weight Mm -hmm. it's all baked into the same subconscious thing and then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. you realize it is heavy because you've taken on this weird Mm -hmm. like mindset that That you never should have taken on in the first place yeah Yeah, and it it, i mean just is what it is i don't don't judge us for it right and and then there was a good heart in it and like wanting to help people and wanting to share god's love with the with people like that's i mean that was the the actual Mm -hmm. heart behind it but i think yeah and also with that it doesn't drastically change the work you're doing. It changes you while you're doing the work you're doing. Because even as you move into the future with Phil and Jen and with all these experiences, there still is that same desire, even if it yeah. looks different, to lead people towards healing, to yeah. lead people to a new future, whatever it is. But the lightness isn't, well, the work itself changes drastically. No, it changes forms and all that it does. But that's the big thing. And what I see in both of you and in the answer is like, no, the the very I who is doing the work has been transformed in a way where as I'm doing the work now, there is naturally going to be more laughter. We're not carrying the weight of the world. We don't think the unit like the universe is somehow going to implode if the microphone <laughs> goes out on this Sunday or whatever it, it is. Well, it's, it's, that's the irony. It's the same work. 
you just hold it all so differently. Mm-hmm. And you're not just talking about holding it differently, you actually do. Mm-hmm. But again, I think that only comes through like a genuine death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't just go, now I'm not going to hold it different. You're all, day two after you quit, how do you feel? Freaking light. I'm done <laughs> exactly. with all that. Day later, the whole thing's changed. I'm different. Don't ask me again. <laughs> I'm different. <laughs> well, and that just, it's hard to do the work. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because you, it's just like the work of the inward journey and the work of like really opening this stuff up and finding a guide that will, will come with you or multiple. It's like, that stuff's hard. Oh, it's the worst when you see your blind spots for the first time. You're like, oh, mm. oh, that was there. It's mm. painful, you know? And I mean, Kevin, you and Christine, you guys know because you were with us through this journey and you guys were incredible friends to us and I mean, I'd get my call around like 10 a.m. every morning for, from Christine, like, how you doing? How you doing? And just checking in. And you guys were such good friends to us as we were going through all this. And I know that you saw us going going inward into those like painful places. And but yeah, there's such I mean, we have talked about this for years. And I think it's like it's not like you just die once. Right. You have mm-hmm. to you die again and again and again. And there's a rebirth again and again mm-hmm. and again. And. So this is always, I hope that we're doing this till we die, you know, Yeah. but yeah, there, that part where you're doing the inward work, it's not always easy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That so. no matter how many sermons pastors preach about, you know, there's a million ways to say the same thing of like, you cannot feel, no, you cannot heal what you do not feel, <laughs> right. you know, unless right. you see it, you cannot blah, blah, right. blah. Like Those all sound super great, but yeah. <laughs> All those, and they're true. They are true. true. And they're objective, like content, they're true. (laughs) But you can also look at people, and when I hear people say that, I'm like, it's not that I disagree with the the objective content. I just know from looking at you, you don't do that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that can sound audacious, but I'm like, but if you did, the gravity the weight, you know, the energy, the energetic just presence of a person who has done the grieving and the letting go and who has embraced that has really gone into more. It's different. You, know, mm-hmm. you can feel the weight of a person who doesn't just say you cannot heal what you do not feel, but who has been who has been undone by the feeling who has been broken open by the feeling of who has been disassembled and taken apart by that real journey. And when you emerge on the other side, you are, that's the amazing thing is you're lighter and there's more laughter, but there's also, you know, a limp to it. There's mm-hmm. a, there's a, a humbling that happens. And a part of it is because mm-hmm. you're humiliated through the process <laughs> of right. being honest about what's really mm-hmm. there. You know, Tom, I like, you know, Thomas Keating says, he, Thomas Keating uh, talks about centering prayer. He tracks a real process of transformation as a series of necessary humiliations to the mm-hmm. ego. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like unless that self is humiliated, unless you see it with clarity, you really aren't going to go through it and overcome it and transform it. And that's that passage from the first to the second half of life, you know, moving from being driven Mm -hmm. by ego ambition to that slower being drawn forward by the spirit, you know, out of the more of the depths of who you are. Like that's what I want for people. And that's what I so see you two in and having gone through and moving into for this next thing. And that's why I think both of you have so much to give into this next season with the podcast, with all the experiences, because 
it is the actual doing the journey for yourself that makes that, that forms the wisdom within you that nothing, you, you can't outsmart life. You can't go around it. We all have to go through it in order yeah. to have that kind of second half of life wisdom. So what about you, for you, Phil, like, what do you want more for yourself personally and creatively as you keep doing the work, whatever that work is, as you move forward? I think, I mean, it's just building off what we've been talking about, but um, for me, I just really want to embody this thing. You know what I mean? I want to like experience it in its fullness. We talk about resurrection life and we talk about being free. We talk about, um, I mean, the whole one with Christ thing. There's, there's a profound reality to that. Um, however you would frame it, whatever words you would put to it. And um, I just, I want to continue to experience that. And I think part of that is, um, I, I, Jen was talking about like following these questions, you know? So like, like, I think what she means by that, what, what I would mean by that, I don't know what she means by that. I'm not going to put words in her mouth. Um, is like, it's like following the the questions in, your own self and your own soul and your own ego and, and rec- you know what I mean? To get further and further and deeper and deeper and then to recognize like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was there. And oh my gosh, that's why. And, and, and to have like a guide, like a really good therapist that won't give you the answers, but that will just like sit with you relentlessly until you figure it out for yourself. Because if they tell you, then you don't know, like yeah. you short circuited the thing mm-hmm. again. That's why seven months later, when you come to the most mind blowing discovery about the one thing getting in the way of your life, your therapist is like, I knew that the first day you came in. <laughs> Total, no joke. But it's you're right. They can't say it because then it's not a disco- It's not an embodied discovery. It's just another thing you think. You yeah, know? and yeah. I so I think, but but the same is true of growing and learning and how you see the world, how you see God, how you see the Scripture, how you see your like your work in the world, like all of that as you continue to. Um, to follow it and take like a step further and a step further. There's like a, a, a beauty that if like in doing the inner work, it allows you to chase the, the actual work in the world mm-hmm. and how you see the world. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think there's probably a, a number of years that I was doing that work with, with like how I see the world and the work that we were doing and how we see it and hold it all. But I don't think my inner work matched it. And so I mm. think it held me back from being able to continue to really follow it. Mm. And I think there was like some subconscious fears there of being able to follow it <clears throat> that, um, yeah, just required a certain kind of death that mm. really said, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's like my inner world had to catch up to the outer world and then it did. Well, I'm, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where I'm at. Yeah. At least as of yesterday, it, it felt like there was a freedom to keep going yeah, <laughs> or today or yeah. whatever it is. I mean, I'm sure it's endless, but, um, yeah. Well, I think, so- yeah. In, in the movement forward in life, you know, when you're, when you're, I mean, you're starting a church at 28, like in the moment you think, you think it's a good idea, you know, but that's <laughs> now that, you know, we're, we're all in our age past that to some degree. That's insane. It is insane. It's awesome. Like we, we did it too. We started yeah. imagine when we were 28. Yeah. So I'm saying that for I us remember. too. But that's, it's so much in those first couple of years, like you're doing 
whatever is necessary to make it work. You know, you're just doing so much. But I think as time goes on, no matter whether, no matter how successful it is, you know, in other people's, with other people's metrics, no matter what it is, eventually you start to settle into like, but who am I? You know, what do I really want? Like, do I like this? Like, I think that's an interesting question. Yeah. If pastors had this space to ask and, and in general, you're right to be like, but do you like this? Yeah. Like, are you happy? Mm-hmm. Am I happy? What about this brings me joy? What about this feels heavier? What about this takes weight off me? When are the moments that it feels like it puts weight on me? And those are scarier, more real personal questions to ask because you kind of can just keep doing the work without thinking about who you are while you're doing it because you're so caught up in it. And I think moving forward, some of the biggest things are starting to distinguish between you know, the, the voices, my own voice and the white noise or the voices of other people asking myself, what do I want? Or just like living into the expectations of what others want us to want. Like, that's the funny thing about relationships. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants you to want something <laughs> like even in a marriage, you know, like you want each other to want something because yeah. their decision affects your day to day life quite drastically, actually. And moving forward allows you to start to those scarier questions like when Phil you know uses that refrain of things need to die well it's scary and heavy to think about some of the things that I felt were so me for seven years actually need to die I thought they made me me but they don't and you don't know exactly who you are on the other side of that you know as you entrust that part to resurrection with everything that you guys have been through you started a church and led it for 12 and a half years you were both leading in different ways before that you know pastorally yeah. How does and this is this is something I don't think people always understand just simply because you have to pastor to kind of get what it feels like to do it. But how does starting a church and pastoring people for that long help shape you into a person where it feels so natural, you know, to like offer guidance and to want to give wisdom to people? And here's why I say that even for more clarity. I'm sure you've had those experiences teaching and leading where the things you're saying, you you know, this isn't just true for Christians. This is just true. Because truth is one. Whatever's true is just true. There's no Christian truth. Whatever yeah. is no Buddhist truth. Truth, it just is what it is. We were like, this isn't just true for people in the church. This is just true for what it means to be fully human. So like, if you talk about honesty, if we talk about courage, if we talk about asking ourselves hard questions and doing the work, those are dynamics that aren't just relevant to people who consciously identify with Jesus. That's just true for everybody. You know what I mean? Um, how So how does, I say that, how does the experience leading and pastoring give you, give somebody the eyes to see to help be a part of seeing the way forward for others and committing to that? Because as you continue your work, your life will be not just guiding and leading people who are like in a church or identify with Jesus. You probably will find yourself in a place guiding and leading people who don't. You know, so how does your experience give you the confidence and the wisdom to know like we can lead people who aren't Christians because we know this whole thing is just true for everybody? You know, how does that kind of work out? Yeah. I mean, it kind of makes the question kind of makes me laugh just because. I didn't go, I didn't grow up in a church. And so like, I remember, I don't know. I just, I remember really clearly when I stepped into the church at 14, 
15, like I was going into high school and people would always separate everything out like that. Mm. And it's like, I never saw the world like through Christian, not Christian, believer, not believer. And so I remember when people like Christians talk like that, right? Like, and, um, I don't know. I just, in a way, I, I don't think I've ever really seen it that way just because that wasn't, I wasn't ingrained in my like psyche at a young age. And I think, but a lot of people do see it that way. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I mean, it's a really good, it's a good question, but, um, I think just from meeting with people again and again and again, what's interesting is you realize that that's absolutely true. Like Christian marriages don't look Mm -hmm. different than non-Christian marriage. Like what's the divorce rate is like exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, if you look at, you know, just Christian people have all kinds of issues, maybe more issues because of some of the like misuse of scripture and other things. I don't know. Don't get me. I'll get, that's a whole nother thing. That's that's like two questions from now. So no, I'm not going to get you started. We'll jump, we'll give it a sec and then we'll get into it. But I mean, we've sat, we've sat with people. um, And I think one, I think one of the privileges of the role is that you sit with people and you, it's almost like you can look at other people's lives from a distance and you can think that like everyone else has it together. Like these people have their lives together. But when you're a pastor, you know better because you mm, get in boy. to people's lives and you realize none of us have it together. Everybody has their issues. Everybody has deep woundings, you know, stuff that they bring in from their childhoods into their relationships. And none of us have this thing figured out. And so I think, yeah, it's a, it's like you, as a pastor, you are reminded of that all mm. the time. So it's kind of helpful yeah. in a way. Those moments are hilarious where you're sitting with one person. Mm-hmm. And obviously as a pastor, you learn a lot about confidentiality and you hold you hold a lot. Yeah. You hold a lot of people's lives that they don't let people into. And you have to learn how to hold that. Yeah. But one, you, you're sitting with one person. They're like, you know, comparing themselves totally, to another totally. person. But you know a lot about the other person. Yeah. You're in, deep in your heart, you're like... That's nope. not the person that you probably want to be like right now. But from the outside. Or, yeah, yeah. They're like, I that understand. person has it all together. They have everything. And you're like, no, they don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I asked that because I just think, and I want to hear what you think, Phil, but the the unique, multi-dimensional, all these non, all these, you know, dual relationships, all these holding the secrets of people and carrying them, teaching people who are at different stages of consciousness, leading them, but you lead them differently. Like you do so much as a pastor where in the end I'm like, after let's say someone leaves congregational life, I'm like pastors don't realize how equipped they are to do mm. so much oh. yeah. in the world. Like you have so much to offer creatives and artists because you've started things, built things, taken those risks, had the vulnerability of it not working, which is a lot of the creative life. You have experience walking with people through the depth of relationships, you know, people struggling with their own personal journeys, like a therapist. It's like you're, you're, you're a pastor. You're blurring the lines of therapist, friend, guide, pastor, artist, creative. Like it's all kind of in this weird, you know, blurred together thing. And that's why I asked that because I think the person who does that role is actually has so much to offer everybody in every setting because of the uniqueness of the experience, you know? So how do you think your work, you, you, you've been a pastor in a congregation and a guide for people. And how does that naturally lend itself towards being a guide for anybody, regardless of their religious orientation or whatever it is? 
Yeah, I think one of the profound natures of God is like the way that you read it in the scriptures. He he always meets people like exactly where they are, you know? I mean, I think that's true like historically. I think it's true. Like you talk about in terms of like evolutionary, like understanding of consciousness or um, just, just wherever you're at in your life. And then like God, I think reveals God's self does in such a way that it like helps transform you to become more of who you are to keep moving forward. And I think, um, I mean, that's what you do as a pastor. I mean, ultimately you're, yes, all these things. You're starting a business, really leading a staff, hiring people, mm. you're teaching, you got programs, you're like all kinds of philanthropy and um, you're doing a lot of things, mm. but, but ultimately the goal is like, um, how do you help people? Like, how do you love people? Mm-hmm. And how do you help people grow spiritually? Mm-hmm. And then really that's ultimately, how do you like in a non-judgmental way, like be invited into people's lives exactly where they are and then help them take a step. And I think that's true of everyone anywhere mm-hmm. is like, how do you take steps towards freedom and wholeness? And, and like the more work that you do in your own life of doing that, you, you recognize <clears throat> it in others. Or so the more you walk with people whether it's a whole room of people, which is really complex because like mm. you said, everyone's at the different stages of consciousness. Mm. So everyone's taking different steps. Yeah. Um, and everyone's or, interpreting and receiving what you're saying differently. That's why you preach a sermon. It was all about this. And a person <laughs> comes up after and they're like, man, this part was good. You're like, I never said that. Totally. <laughs> or you're like, that was a quick like one liner on the side, but that's what they carry because their, their receiving station essentially is so unique. Which is beautiful, but yeah. I think that's, there you go. That's true of everybody. Everybody's mm-hmm. receiving station is uniquely different, mm-hmm. and it, yeah, it's it's a very unique job mm-hmm. <laughs> to plant mm-hmm. and lead a church that gives you very unique lenses, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Both of your guys's lives. I mean, when you really think about it, like since college, like that's crazy yeah. to think about up until now. Your work. Your life, so much of your creative energy is driven by the assumption that people can change and that life really can be different. We can take that for granted because we believe that's possible. Not everyone really believes that, you know, and it's a hard thing to believe as you get older and you see marriages falling apart. You know, Mm -hmm. you see friendships breaking down. You see people repeating patterns like it's. It is a hard thing as you get older to stay grounded in hope and to and to keep trusting and believing things can get better. Like that that takes that takes a lot of our own work just to keep believing that when it's easy to just shut your heart down and give up because you go through so much as you get older. I mean, you guys wouldn't do what you do if you didn't believe and the future could be different. Yeah. Absolutely. So when you look at people around you, college kids getting ready for their relational and vocational journeys, parents of young families, you know, creatives, you know, your friends in business making a way in their life, et cetera. We could go down, Mm -hmm. go across the spectrum. What is the core energy within you that feels like, Ooh, like this is what I want for you. Mm -hmm. Like, this is what I really hope for, for people. You know, you're driven by all this work to help people wake up and grow up and see and take more risks and have more courage and do all those things. Like, what is that engine within you? It's like, this is what I want you to know and trust and believe. And that's why I'm doing this to help you move forward. Yeah. I mean, 
I think for me, it's, we've, we've been having a lot of conversations about this cause we're like, why are we doing what we're doing? You know mm. what I mean? Like, yeah. let's get back to the heart of it. What are we doing? No, wait, Forget about what we're doing. <laughs> why are we doing this? Because we believe that people can live these lives where they're fully alive mm. and where they, when they really are free. Mm. And I mean, we, like I said, we really are experiencing that and it is such a better way. It's like, and so we want, I don't know for us. I think that we're just so excited to continue to like, yeah, just hopefully encourage people in that. And then, you know, in some way, like come alongside of people and, and, when I think of like, I was picturing the college, the college student or whatever. I mean, I think of like, you're so excited. You're coming into life, like the, the future is before you, but then you're going to hit mm-hmm. these things mm-hmm. and you're going to fail mm-hmm. and you're going to hit roadblocks and you're going to be hurt and people are going to disappoint you. And then there's going to be these things in your life that are going to knock you down. And I just want to speak into those, mm. those kids and be like, but you can begin again yeah. and again mm. and again. Mm-hmm. And, and even like you said, I mean, we're 40 and we stepped out of this thing that we've been doing for the last, you know, 13 years and it was comfortable and it was, we could have just kept doing it and we knew it was time to leave. Mm. We really felt a strong sense of like the season, this chapter is over, but there was, I think like this temptation to just be like, yes, but like or we could just keep doing it because mm. it's known and it's what's, you know what I mean? There's, there's some things in place here that just make life kind of easy. Um, like an income, you know, uh, health, <laughs> just like insurance. health insurance, like income, a, like a revenue stream, you not know? another revenue stream, but a, you know, <laughs> and I mean, and I, and I think a lot of people didn't understand what we were doing. Like, are you crazy? And maybe yeah. we were, I mean, you know, we'll find out. But (laughs) crazy in love, but like, yeah, you can begin again and again and again. And, and, and I don't know, that's what I'm passionate about. And I think even just really, um, not only embodying the thing like Phil said, but then also like hopefully getting to breathe that out onto Mm -hmm. everyone that we come in contact with, you know? And I think of like, for me, when I first like heard about Jesus and I heard the message of Jesus, like it was all about freedom for me, you know, and it was like this grace that I had never understood before. And it's like, just the heart of the thing is so good and so beautiful. And I want to keep like sharing that with other people. When you first heard that song where they say like waves of mercy, <laughs> waves of you know what I'm talking uh, about? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You heard that, you're like, this is it, baby. That's We're it. all gonna be That's more it. free. <laughs> but before before you pass it to Phil, I think let's say even for a more specific group of people, right? Thirty five ish to okay. forty. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, yeah. we're gonna come back to you in a second. We're gonna narrow this down um, real tight. It's because of the uniqueness of what you guys are doing, like even this morning as I was texting Phil, just like, hey, like details about this interview, I was going to text this, but I didn't, you know, even though I've said it before, I just wanted to write, you guys are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not for doing this podcast. It's just for what you're doing in your life as yeah. a whole right now. Like to start over around 40 yeah. is not smart <laughs> No, no. <laughs> to yeah. begin again, to allow the death of the old thing while stepping into uncertainty and unknowing is not financially responsible right. when you have three kids, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And yet 
Conventional wisdom. Yeah, in conventional <laughs> wisdom, everyone's, you know, you, your your parents, your aunts and uncles who care about finances, no one's happy. No, <laughs> no, no, one, one's no one gets, no one gets it. Like, it's, there's just, you can't. Yeah. If you don't do it, you can't understand it, right? And yet, there's times where in order to move towards in alignment, move towards integrity, and to keep responding to that beckoning spirit that is calling us forward, there's some defining moments where you have to step into those spaces and start over when it makes no sense, which is why I say you guys are crazy. To me, it's the best way. That's the only thing that matters to me. I love it so much. You know, it's my favorite thing. So now with doing that, going through it, being in it, Thomas Merton says everybody spends the first 35 years of their life climbing the ladder of a building only to get to the top to realize the ladder has been propped up against the wrong building. And what happens at that moment? Do you jump off and start over? Some people just say like, it's so disorienting to think about starting over. I'm just going to like repress that part mm-hmm. of me, grit my teeth mm-hmm. and keep doing the same thing till I die because it's safe. Now with where you guys are of having to be like, we have a whole new thing. We're going to start over. What would you say to people who have had those haunting mm-hmm. thoughts in their 30s mm-hmm. leading towards 40? Like, is this what I really want? Yeah. Am I going to be here forever? Mm-hmm. What about the kids? Like, this is all real life. This is not oh, light yeah. stuff. But now with where you are, even six months removed, what do you say to those people who have the temptation to stick around in things that are not true to who they are to make their life work or to move forward into the unknown? Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the questions I was asking myself was, do I want to get to the end of my life and look back and wonder mm. like, what if we would have tried that, you know, mm. like what could that have been like? And I, I want to leave a legacy for our kids. Like I think about they're watching us, you know what mm. I mean? They watch what we do so much more than anything we say. Yeah. And I, I don't want them I want them to be like, mom and dad went for it. You know what I mean? Like, not like they're, they're, you know, doing their thing. And then they kind of hit 40 and just hit like cruise control and just kind of, they just went along and it was fine. I want to leave a legacy for my kids where, where we follow the thing and go when it's time to go and we leap when it's time to leap. And yeah, it's there. It's not always easy. It's super scary. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to downplay that. Um, but yeah, we talked to so many people like, and we were saying we, you know, we sit with, we've sat with so many people and I can't tell you how many conversations we've been in where people know that it's time to go mm-hmm. or they know that it's time yeah. to do something different or they're unhappy, but it's like, it's almost easier to, it's almost easier to stay Absolutely. in the thing that's comfortable and known. So they do, but it's like, what are you missing out on? And for us, I mean, right now we haven't even, we're just getting into the work which is we're having so much fun, but just internally what's happened to us. Like oh, I, mm. I, I'm like, I wouldn't trade this for the world. It's so you know? much better. Mm. Yeah, it's great. You wanna add? Yeah. yeah. I, I think people maybe know at a particular level, but they don't know. Because mm-hmm. it feels like you can't let yourself know because it would be mm-hmm. so jarring. I have found that. I found that people won't, like all, like it's almost like a conversation can only go so far, and it's like that's as far as that can go. Like, mm-hmm. n- like even in terms of like, and we're gonna change the subject now. Yeah, or, yeah. Which is fascinating, but I think, man, for people that are up against it, or you're wondering, gosh, it's just there's such a freedom. Um, there's such a freedom 
I, like, I didn't even realize how bound up I, I was or I felt. Um, and, uh, I mean, even to the first question you asked that led to this question, um, yeah, you, what I want for people is like, I want people to experience the things that we're experiencing right now. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I want, um, I, I want to encourage people to like keep going and I want to, um, I want to help people become fully themselves and fully aware and like fully aligned and fully alive and free. Um, the people that I spend time with that are friends and mentors that mean the most to me are the ones that um, like are expansive and that they, they like expand me. Mm-hmm. And so when I spend time with them, I leave and I'm just like, oh, I feel like bigger than myself right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's times where I'm with people that it's quite the opposite. You feel like shrunk. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I, I think we just want to be expansive people that help people just kind of be alive and keep growing spiritually. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's like you're professionally a person who dares to hope on others' behalf. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is amazing because, like I said, there's challenges as you get older to have that real deep sense of hope, but then to also be willing to fight for others and go on that journey with them, you know, is, is a huge thing. That's why... You know, uh, Mark Labberton, who's the president at Fuller, I heard him say this a long time ago, and it's just always stay with me, where he's like, right now in our culture in the U.S., he's like, not everybody wants a pastor. You know, they're not going to go to church. Everyone's just not going to go, and that's right. fine. He says, not everybody wants a pastor, but everybody needs pastoral guidance. Like that person who's hoping on their behalf, that person who's helping light the way up to the future, and that person who's willing to walk with them as far as they're willing to allow them into that future. Like that is like, that's like what I said earlier. That's not for Christians. That's just for human beings to have people who are envisioning a future with them and helping them move towards it. You know, and that's so much of what I see for both of you beneath the surface of the work is that's the drive. When you think when your work naturally lends itself towards how does this create a more expansive life for others? Like Phil said, you know, that's it's it's an amazing thing, you know, offering anybody signing up to be any kind of a guide, teacher, leader, like that's that's just an amazing thing, you know, that I always just admire so much. And I know how valuable it is into the world because we're like a part of what you want to do or the heart of not even a part, a heart, the heart of what you want to do is to help clear the way for other people to know, you know, and to taste what's really good to know the freedom that you believe in and an experience for yourself, you know? So that's a remember for the plug for all of the immersive experiences for the <laughs> podcast. That's the heart beneath it. And that was a little of my strategy for this, for this opening podcast was, all right, get to know the heart of Phil and Jen, get to know how amazing of a people they are. And now once you're pulled in and you like them, now I can ask them more questions, you know, <laughs> that if we started off with them, you know, you'd be like, man, why is, why is everyone, you know, I'll have to offer a critique nowadays. You know, why can't we all just be oh, no. cool, man? Oh, gosh. Um, but with all that said, you know, th- it's been about an hour. Let's say if we spend the next 15 or 20 minutes or so turning the corner a bit because this podcast is called The Church Needs Therapy. Mm. And therapy also... <laughs> everything hard turn hard turn well see you guys you guys are you know because you guys are so close to me 
I set you up for people to hear your heart before we can, you know, talk about other dynamics. Everybody else who's on the podcast, I probably don't know them personally before, so I'm like, we can just start off with this. I don't really care about whether or not people like you or know your heart. <laughs> that, up. that ain't up to me. Sorry, you got your own thing. I'm not that invested God as man. I am. But this, even even the title of the podcast, "The Church Needs Therapy," is something that has both the need for a critique built into it and a great sense of hope within it. You know, the person who goes to therapy believes the future can be different. If they didn't believe that, they wouldn't spend their money and time doing it. It's true. Um, but also, in the same way we do for ourselves individually, we're naming the things, the barriers within us that are getting in the way of the lives we want, the freedom, the joy, the peace, etc. That is a part of talking about the church needing therapy is we're consistently naming barriers, things getting in the way of the fullness of the life of Christ as it is expressed in and through the church in the world. So that's my disclaimer for, you know, the the title (laughs) of the podcast. So if we, being leaders for so long, you have a certain unique form of awareness of the landscape of what I would call evangelical-ish Christianity in the U.S. Because if I say the church needs therapy, people could be like, well, what church are you talking about? You know, like traditional black church. Are you talking about like Egyptian Orthodox churches or Coptic churches? It's quite broad. Yeah, it's like this huge thing. And that's why I normally say, like, in that old Barna, it's like an old Barna research thing. You, you, I'm sure you're familiar. It was like 11 years ago where they asked people, what are the top three things you think of when you think yeah, of the church? Yeah. And they're like, Republican, anti-gay, and anti-abortion. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, if you want to learn about why that is, listen to the last episode with Frank Schaefer, because he will tell you, like, why that is, why people yeah, think that, that and why he was a part of creating it, you know? So when I say that, because people... Bo- even though it's broad, when I say the church needs therapy, there's a thing that comes to mind for people. There's a resonance of what we mean by that, you know, that people usually get. With that said, with all of your experience, you've seen the landscape. What do you see right now as some of the biggest barriers that are getting in the way of a more hopeful and beautiful expression of the faith? Right. Not exhaustive. Clearly, for the sake of time, Phil, no whiteboard right now. Take the oh, markers. So close. Take Jen, take the markers away. There's so a bit of markers. Take them away. It's so close to me. But just off the top, with all your experience, the first things that come to mind, what are some of the biggest barriers that get in the way of a more hopeful, beautiful, expansive, to use your word, version of the faith? <laughs> um, he did not send us any of these questions beforehand. You know, Phil's eyes just lit up. Oh, man. Um, what are things that get in the way off the top of my head of a more expansive You know, when you see faith? things, you're like, okay, that's clearly not helpful right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think a lot, man. If we're talking, I mean, obviously the church is broad. The church is... Well, let's just begin by acknowledging that everything yeah. is a social construct. So let's just... <laughs> okay, yes. So, so everything is a social construct in that we form an idea we form a set of values we form a, a view of the world and then we build a world around that so i mean everything that we have and 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 we've talked about this endlessly that it continuously changes over time and you can look historically that there's these tight patterns and there's different angles and in, in in ways in which that's described by different historians and theologians or just social critics but like it changes in the in the current one that we are living in uh i i don't i don't think it's helpful for a lot of people. I don't think it works for a lot of people. Mm. And I think that it is what gets in the way. And I think that that has so many layers to it, that statement. 
I think that it's, um, I mean, if we're just going to talk about, um, as I, I, I say it's broad because obviously there's like how many versions of the church are there in America, much less the world, much less like historical reality along all those different transitions and constructs. But I think the current one, I, I think a better question is like, why doesn't it work for a lot of people mm. is the way that I would frame that. And, and I know, um, don't, don't. Anybody who ever comes on here, don't ever tell me you have better questions. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> on <my> own <laughs> no, that's a great, that's a great way of saying it. Well, I mean, even for people that are listening, I think what draws them to your podcast and the way that you're framing it, the church needs therapy is that it isn't working for them in some way. Mm. And so, um, I think that the way that the, the, American church is like in bed with um, politics and mm. with um, the Republican Party and like mm. w- like with the last administration um, in office was just like that was weird. Mm. Um, and I think for a lot of people that aren't a part of that, looking in from the outside going, whoa, that's that's very like not helpful mm. actually at all. If I mean, if, if the movement of Jesus is self-giving love for the healing of the world, mm. um, you know what I mean? Through mm. death and resurrection, then let's look at anything in the church that isn't that. And that's mm. probably what's getting in the way. Mm. And so, I mean, I could name a thousand of those things, but um, from the way that the churches approached racial justice and Black Lives Matter to the way that the church... Um, approaches again politics and nationalism to the way that the church um approaches uh endless things the the way and and it ultimately comes down to how we choose to hold it you Mm -hmm. know and so i think there's certain ideals like i i we keep asking like what is it are we trying to do here in this work i think a question for the for leaders in the church is like what is it exactly that you're doing here you know what I mean? What is the overarching like goal and movement? Is it like we're on empire building mode and our goal is to conquer the world um, through revival or whatever that is, or like, like to pour ourselves out for the healing of the world? Are we trying to build giant budgets and programs and organizations and like weird kind of dual nature relationships and control mechanisms? Um, or are we doing something, are we trying to help people grow fully into themselves, become more aware and alive and more set free to actually be a full embodiment of resurrection life in the world, Mm. wherever they are, Mm. whatever they call themselves. It's just, there's, it's almost like there's entirely different ideas of what the whole thing is. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, it does. Jen, I'm going to, you know, Phil reframed his own question. I'm going to reframe this one for you, you know, for my own entertainment. (laughs) So you already, you know, I asked the question or like, what's getting in the way? Since Phil says like, why is it not working for people? Mm. What do they immediately like name and see right from the outside or from people who used to be on the inside? Another way of saying this, what are the moments for you? Like, you know, if you're like scrolling through Instagram or you see in media where you see something and you're just like, are you effing? (laughs) kidding me where you're like this is it i quit christianity <laughs> like i people on the podcast know uh, like twice a week there's things i see where i'm like i quit like i just over. quit christianity yeah. and i keep yeah. coming back and i'm still which is hard because you know i still have a responsibility to lead a church so it's tough to quit christianity twice a week totally but that's another way of saying it you know you see something that is an expression of all these things and you're like this is this is 
this I can't like I just right. can't right now I can't right. like I'm throwing something at a wall right now mm. hmm We've removed ourselves from a lot of this the last few months. Yeah, mm. it's true. Okay, well then, seven months ago. But I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the seven month ago version. It's interesting because it's true. Because right now, I feel like it wouldn't actually make me as angry, mm. which is interesting. So mm. something's happened in me there. That's awesome. Um, mm. Or just, it's like I can have, I can see like, oh, I understand why you're doing that, <clears> or <throat> I see why you're that way, and so I can have compassion and grace for it does it still irritate me and do i think it's right no but mm. um i mean when i see things connected like the like i mean phil said when i see like the american flag and then like the bible and like christian it's all tied yeah, together like, like mm. i mean our kids our kids will totally call it out like when you're driving and someone's got things on the back of their car and they're all like connecting jesus with like you know like the Christian nationalism, violence, you know what I mean? Murder, violence, murder. Killing. There's the gun next Empire to the cross, killing. next to the next to the sign for the certain political party, mm. next to the sign that's like anyway. You, you get the idea, and that triggers me for sure. Mm. And because I'm just like, oh, really? Like, is that that's what Jesus is about? Mm. How did we get here? Like, how did you know, and when we were so going... So when you guys see the bumper sticker and it says Jesus bled red, white, and blue, you're like, no way. That's just <laughs> throw up in my mouth a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and obviously through like the Black Lives Matter, um, like justice movement, I there was so much there. Yeah. I think mm. that was, that. it just broke my heart. Mm. Um, so, yeah. But I, I think it's also worth saying there was a lot of people and leaders and churches that we knew that yes they were doing amazing and, things. And, so it's yeah. not like the whole and thing that still was, are. So and yeah. they're like, I'm just like heroes to me. Mm. And so I I think it's just complex. It's like we we're saying it's a very complex landscape right now. Mm. Yeah, and also we're not perfect, and we didn't lead perfectly in any way. So this isn't just like casting judgment on everybody. Yeah. But yes, there are, there's a lot I think that gets in the way for people that mm. that makes them that just doesn't work for them anymore. Mm. But I, I I just think it's the best way to say it because it's like it's less an attack and more of a um, a recognition that if the thing won't grow to embody what it is, then people will grow and embody it in a different way. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, well that. That like container doesn't work for me anymore. Mm. So we're we're gonna walk away from that container. But like the thing, yeah, is is actually really beautiful. Yeah, because um, there's a lot of power dynamics in that thing. Yeah, and for I think the people that it does work for are, they still really benefit from the system. Yeah, absolutely. And so as long as they're benefiting from the system and it works for them, I I think there's a great incentive to not change it. You know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, when, especially when I interviewed people last year, because when I was interviewing people leading up to the election, you know, one of the ways I've thought about this, and I just saw somebody else writing about their experience or, the, you know, the church, the experience in America during, you know, coronavirus and everything as apocalyptic, you know, mm -hmm. apocalypse, not in like a rapture sense of the term, but in the Greek revealing. term of like this great revealing, yeah, right? Revealing. And exposing this, looking behind the curtains where, 
And I would think to myself, if you think about what happened during the coronavirus, this post-George Floyd uprising, the protests, public demonstrations, the end of the Trump area, like if you think about it as an apocalyptic time, a great revealing of the heart of America, a great revealing of so much of the heart of the church. If that's the case, if that if it was indeed apocalyptic, what do you think was revealed during that time? <laughs> what was revealed about the heart of so much of the church of and why it's not working? Because I feel like whatever was revealed, it wasn't brand new, but it was way more out there, obvious and in your face for everybody. You know, I think the um, like the pinnacle moment for me was when um, that video and those pictures of when Trump had the protesters gassed to mm-hmm. walk across the street to take a photo off without asking in front of a boarded up church awkwardly holding a Bible. An upside down Bible. <laughs> upside down. And like he's holding the very thing. That is a critique of empire as like, as it's being expressed in and through him in that moment, walking across the street. It was the most ironic. I mean, like it literally like the depiction and revelation of an antichrist that will come. Like Mm. it was the wildest, like Mm. the irony. There's an, there's an irony. There's something ironic No, it was like, right. Even now the hair on my arm stands up a little bit. It's one of those moments where you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe we're watching this right now. Mm. You know what I mean? And um I think there's just so much so much in that. I mean, I think the revealing was um like this particular era, I think the illusions of this era have been revealed as like lacking and false and I think I think it it just showed that um there's so much it's it's about so much power and politics mm. and greed and mm. it's it's um replaced i think the heart of what the actual thing is mm. uh, does that absolutely yeah i think what was shocking to a lot of people was how it revealed how much the church was part of the problem mm. and how the church actually has been part of the problem all along I mean, if you look through history, I mean, we started doing deep dives into like church history in this last season and it, yeah, it's like, oh man, yeah, it's worse than we thought, you know what I mean? And I think that's a lot of people were, were in that place. And again, we know a lot of churches that are doing amazing things Mm -hmm. and that aren't contributing to the problem yeah. in that way like yeah. imagine you know there's there's also yeah, obviously Honolulu, like Kaka-Hoko. yeah little plug imagine. little, little <laughs> plug there what's the address <laughs> <laughs> like my church but whatever yeah 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 it's it is very fascinating to look back historically and to see for if we talk about the church specifically the church capitulating to power getting in bed with you know politics and selling out selling their soul for the sake of more political power back in you know this ancient time and it was the medieval times and how could they do that and yet the same people who have the eyes to see that and when you think on a collective level the same people who can name that historically and say that was ridiculous that was wrong how dare you 
are oftentimes the very people who are unable to recognize the way in which they are essentially embodying the same spirit and doing the same thing right now. And I think that speaks at a collective level to even what you guys were talking about earlier of like the space of having clarity on your own life of like, it's hard to see. It's easier to name evil out there than it is to ever come to terms with it inside. That's true for us on an individual level. That's also true on a collective level, you know, of like people doing that. That's why I remember years ago, I think it was Brian McLaren who I heard him say this could have been someone else who was like, if you've, after you've been a Christian for five years, every story of Jesus you read where he talks about the Pharisees, you know, we find ourselves in a story. He's like, you're not Jesus. You're the Pharisees. Because the moment you're an insider, you have the power to create outsiders. The moment you're included, you have the power to exclude. And I think we read ourselves into the wrong things. Like right now with power stuff, it's like, is the church Israel under Babylon back then? Or is the church, you know, a part of Babylon and oppressing the very people, you know, at the mm-hmm. time, who, who are we in yeah, those stories? Yeah, who are we in the story? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Any more thoughts on that before I move on, Phil? Apocalypse, power. I think one of the weird things that, again, like I don't think there was anything brand new revealed during this whole time, yeah. but I think it was more apparent to a lot of people or more obvious to the people who already saw. I think one of the things that always strikes me is the knee, like the truly reflexive reaction so much of the church has to side with people in power. Hmm. You know, it's like you hear about like, you know, like a, a leader in a church who's abusing people, whether it's like sexual or power, or spiritual abuse type of stuff. And people's like gut reaction is to side with power. People's gut reaction is to side with the government or the police over the victims. Like there's this weird knee jerk reaction that appears to be formed by certain versions of the church that makes a lot of people feel like the most natural thing to do is to immediately align yourself with, to side with, and to defend people who are in positions of power. Even though ironically, what we see in the scriptures is the majority of the journey of the people of God are people who are under on the underside of and being crushed by or being oppressed by those very versions of power that we're so quick to defend now. Like that knee jerk reaction I see in people to, to like to blame victims or to side with power. Like that's, that is so the opposite response of what you would assume the spirit that has worked in the scriptures would form in people. If we had the eyes to see that, like that for me, always like Mm -hmm. during this time, like that, how vehemently people are defending people in power who are just so dangerous, like so obviously damaging Mm -hmm. is just, that's where you're like, what isn't working? You're like, there's something that has gone terribly wrong here. Right. We've lost the plot in a serious way when we see that. Yeah. Like, yeah, I had like a thousand thoughts as you were saying (laughs) that. Um, Yes, I think for a lot of people, a lot of things aren't working anymore. And I think that all of that stuff that happened this last year was just a tipping point. And and I think the beauty of the pandemic for the church Mm. is that it forced a pause long enough that people actually got to reflect Mm. and say, is this something that I want to continue to participate in? Mm. Does this work for me anymore? And I think that it has created a tipping point moment where a lot of people whether they realize they're part of a movement of people doing any, I think that there's a collective awakening of people that are saying the things that aren't working for me anymore, I'm not going to participate in, Mm -hmm. Um, which I don't think is a giving up of the faith. And I don't think it's a giving Mm -hmm. up of Jesus or the church or the movement. I I think it's like a stepping into like the real of what's next. Mm -hmm. And they don't even know what that is yet. 
Well, I think it's kind of like similarly with in the same way that people are getting more involved in politics and they're taking ownership for their like they're actually people are more people are voting like because you're like, oh, man, I got to I got to pay attention. Like what is happening? I think the same thing is people are taking more more ownership with their faith. And it's a great thing. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's like, wait a minute. What what are we doing and what do we believe and what's happening here? You know? Yeah. No, I think. You know, the whole beginning part of the podcast and people hearing more of your stories and even having this conversation, it's so important because people get to see that it's like it's the love for people, the love for the church, the love for the world that gives you the energy to say yes to the future on behalf of people and also gives you the courage to say no to all of the things that are getting in the way wherever we see them and however they manifest themselves. You know, when you see the prophet as somebody who says no and says yes, that's so important for people to see because it's so easy to just criticize, to just stay on the sidelines of life and be cynical and be over it and be really smart and, you know, and have all these cool things to say. And But there's not a great energy of love that you're bringing into this world to actually build. And that's what this podcast attempts to do. And I think that's what both of you do so well is okay, let's be honest about saying no to all of those things. Some, like In order to say yes yeah. to this version of life that Jesus seems to be pointing us forward to and the Spirit's drawing us into, you have to have the courage to say no. But all of the no is just for the sake of clearing out the way for all the good stuff. Yeah. Like That's what makes... like We can have fun and we can have laugh and we can actually th- believe this is all about joy because we've cleared out. All the bullshit that doesn't need to be a part of the thing anymore. So it's actually a great engine of love that motivates us to not only say yes on behalf of people, but also say no to the things that aren't in the way. And I think both of you do that so well, you know, and I think that's such a, an important thing to do. Um, we, you know, we just heard a small door creak because the three <laughs> fun and wild boys, you know, that you hear about on the website are back in the house and... Back from the skate park. Yes. We have, I think we're probably an hour and 20 minutes in. Wow. I know, right? That's why when Phil interviewed me, we're like an hour and 20 minutes. I'm like, that was seven minutes. <laughs> right? I just gave you my first answer. <laughs> and I know how Phil prepares. He has 48 more questions oh, for me. Let's turn this into a season, even though it's one interview. <laughs> well, in some ways, I feel like we're catching up. Dude, we haven't talked to these things in a while. in person for so long. Yeah. Yeah. It's been since, you know. Coronavirus keeping it, you know, the traveling at such a minimum. I'm so grateful for you guys taking the time to do this. And I'm so excited to have this time with both of you to give people a chance to see the first spark of the future and the first light towards the future that both of you will be living into. You know, friends who will be listening from a distance to the podcast, friends who might happen to be in the Orange County, San Diego, LA area who can go to some of the experiences that you will throw. So I don't anticipate this being the only time you guys are on this podcast. I hope to keep talking more and I want to make all the listeners and people aware of what both of you are doing. And so for people listening, in the near future, very near future, (laughs) philandjenwood.com, you'll be able to see... Links to podcasts, the experiences, the events they're doing. It's 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 really the hub where you can see all of the work that will be flowing out of them in, in this next season. So fillandjenwood.com. The podcast that will be coming out soon called Phil and Jen. 
those are the first two places to go to to be able to have access to what they're doing, when they're doing it, why they're doing it, where and how they're doing it. So I encourage you all, when Phil and Jen comes up, should be within the next week, find that podcast and subscribe to and listen to those episodes to get more of an intentional path from them that you start to hear on this podcast. You'll see the experiences they'll be launching in the near future through that. So look through that. And, you know, a few years from now, I'll get to look back and say, you know, I got to do the first interview, which I'm sure will be the first of multiple ones, which I'm really grateful to do because we're all such good friends. So thank you guys so much. And uh, yeah, PhilAndJenWood.com, Phil and Jen podcast. Do you guys have any last thoughts for the people listening in? Yes. We just love you guys. Oh, don't. No, no not affirming Come us. Come on. Thanks for having us on. But Yeah, this has yeah. been super fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you guys are the real deal. Just love you. It's fun to get to watch and uh, just be a part of your journey as well. Yeah. You see how whenever, when they look at me, they say you guys, because me and Christine mm-hmm. I'm are like, so where's inseparable. Christine? That's it's the other like, thing. When, I, that's when is Christine <laughs> getting... I know, right? That's a problem for me. Writing is so often instead of saying I, I just want to say like me and Christine (laughs) because it's so natural to just when you live your life like that to do it together. And that's a a gift that we love to bring to the world. And I think a gift you both naturally do, which makes the name make so much sense. You know, Phil and Jen, check it out when it comes out. And uh, until the next time, we will keep taking the church to therapy because we know she has issues. But we also know that she has this ability to shine and we hope she continues to do that. So until next time, thank you for listening in.